You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by guest pastor Vince McCarty titled, Your Passion for God. For more information, please visit creekside.org. We have the privilege this morning of welcoming uh, the executive director of Global Missions for Open Bible. And uh, he's a man of God. He loves the world. He loves people. He loves countries. And uh, it's been a privilege for me to sit on his board and uh, just be a part of the team that makes decisions for our missions. And so this morning, uh, I want you to give a wonderful Creekside welcome to uh, Vince McCarty. Would you come on up, brother? Still no? Ah. Okay. How are you this morning? Well, we're so honored and privileged to be here. I want to thank Pastor Terry, Trina, the whole staff for allowing us to host our, uh, our meeting here. We had a wonderful uh, meeting yesterday with all the pastors of the uh, Northern California District in Nevada, and they were able to host here, and just want to thank you. You're so gracious. And uh, I, I did send an email to Terry saying, when I knew what the weather was going to be, that I really believe he's a powerful man of God because he gave us good weather, and Terry prayed, so uh, when you need good weather, just ask your pastor, I think he has connections, I don't know. I uh, want to share with you before we get into a lot of things here, just a couple videos that I'll come back and reference, so let's watch these two videos, and then we'll come back and share. Hi, my name is Travis Hunsaker, and I am the director of Puente de Amistad in Tijuana, Mexico. I want to share with you an opportunity that you have to serve here. Part of what we do at Puente is provide homes for people in extreme need. These families that we're building homes for want to support themselves, but they just need a little help to get their feet planted on solid ground. They're not looking for a handout, but they're looking for a helping hand. The Puente house that we provide for the family is built upon concrete foundation. It is 16 by 20, story and a half, wood frame structure. There are a total of four rooms, two upstairs and two downstairs. There are a total of five windows in the house, two upstairs and three downstairs. We do provide electricity at home, but no plumbing and no bathroom. The groups do have the option of adding shingles or steel roofing to the homes at an additional cost. The benefit is that the shingles and the steel roofing hold up better to the heat and the elements of Mexico. A question that we are asked often is how do we pick the families that we build a house for? We work very closely with local pastors who share with us families in their congregation who are in great need. This is how we get the majority of our applicants. La casa en la que vivíamos eh, medía 16 pies por 13 de por 13 pies. Los hijos dormían en poníamos colchones en el piso. Nuestro salario, mi salario, pues no no nos alcanzaba como para el construir y la comodidad de mis hijos tuvieran sus propios cuartos. Entre la cocina poníamos un, un colchón y para ir al baño teníamos que brincarlos. Pues ahora que la casa está construida es mucho mejor en todos los aspectos. La comodidad de mis hijos en gran manera ha sido confortable, mejor. There are always families in need here in Tijuana, Mexico. But without teams coming down and giving other time and energy and finances, this cannot be possible. So I encourage you, 
think about this, pray about this, and come down here and bless a family in need. God bless. Hello, we are the Welch family. I'm Drew. I'm Jessica. I'm Ian. I'm Kirsten. I'm Kayla. And we are missionaries, missionaries to Liberia. Today we're at Modell Town, which is about 10 minutes from our house. It's going to be the future site of our Open Bible Learning Center and our Open Bible School. We're excited to get this project underway and looking forward to the um, things that it's going to bring to this community. We are very excited about being able to serve the community here and teach the kids how to read. Um, we do a Bible study every Friday night at our place, and the kids really enjoy it. So we are um, happy about being able to possibly do something similar here and teaching the kids. We are very happy and excited to be able to serve Modell. In the Future Learning Center, we are going to be teaching the pe people of Modell how to read and we are going to be doing the homeschool in the learning center. It was so nice to see that when we brushed the land that the men of Modell Town were willing to come and help brush it with us alongside with the MOVE team for Open Bible. And here they are, some of them that helped us, and we're just very grateful that they were willing to step up. I want to say thanks and appreciation to Open Bible for coming in to build a school so that can learn something from inside and our children to be benefited for tomorrow. All the same The Welch family has been serving now in Liberia for six months. We came alongside of the National Church. We've been working with budgets. We've been dealing with churches, schools, self-help projects. Uh, we've had our hands full. We've had a lot to do. But now we're turning our attention and focus to the, the development of the Literacy Center, the Learning Center here at Modell Town and also developing a primary school. The needs here in Liberia uh, for educational literacy is enormous. And we're excited to be a part of the solution. And we're so thankful for those that have partnered with us through the Global Harvest Offering for Liberia for this Literacy Center. Please join us in prayer as we develop and implement this program and also for the buildings uh, that will be starting um, later this year after the rainy season. Thank you so much. Good. And we're back on. Thank you. Just wanted to show you a little bit of the video there because uh, it helps explain. You guys, I know, are supporting um, these missionaries, and it's great to see that. And I'll make, make reference later. Uh, I am so appreciative of this church, your pastors. I come to really appreciate uh, Terry and Trina and love them and thank them for what they're doing uh, around the world. And one of the things you help us do is not just support missionaries, but you helped purchase this vehicle. And I was just in Liberia with Carl Francis, who you're going to meet in the second service. And we rode around this vehicle for a week. And let me tell you, it was a much-needed vehicle. So I told Carl, when I go back to Creekside, I'm going to thank the church because this is an amazing vehicle, believe me. And you provided the funds for that. Can we give God a hand? Amen. You may think you have bad roads. You know, we complain in Iowa because we have, after snow and ice, we have potholes. Nothing compared to Liberia, okay? I mean, you're talking, you know, ruts. You're talking mud that comes up to the windows of the cars. You're talking 
Unless you have four-wheel drive, you cannot go places a lot of times. So your investment is making a difference. I just wanted to thank you for that. And I know you've done so many other things, but believe me, every time I got that vehicle, and it does have air conditioning, thank you, Jesus. Uh, every time I got in that vehicle, I thank the Lord because our missionaries are able to do what they need to do because of your generosity. Amen? Amen. Thank you for that. Appreciate that so much. We're going to talk today, let's see if I can, there we go. Your passion for God. We can be passionate about a lot of things. Uh, you know, I know one of, uh, you know, sometimes it's sports, sometimes it could be uh, different things that we have in life, but one of the things I think we always need to focus on and try to look at is, how is our passion for God? Because when I look at Scripture, when I look at the church in general, not just today, but through the history of the church, it was the passion for God that changed the world because men and women of God stood up at the right time, at the right place, and made a difference for the kingdom. And that's what we want to talk about today as far as passion. So in today's world, this is a, really a secular thing, but uh, this, this man says, if you want to be successful in the world, don't just follow your, uh, follow your passion, not your paycheck. And, and it's really true because we realize, we, we know, it, we just can't follow money because that leads nowhere. When we leave this life, we don't take it with us. We don't take possessions. We don't take materials. But when we follow the passion that's really from the Lord, it makes the difference. And I love this verse in Habakkuk 3, 2. It says, Lord, I've heard of your fame I stand in all of your deeds. Lord, renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. And in wrath, remember mercy. Passion for God creates passion for people. And where I think sometimes we miss it as a church or sometimes as Christians is we need to realize we have to really work on our passion for the Lord so we can have passion for people. And that's what's going to change the world. There's a lot of things we can do. There's a lot of programs we can implement. There's a lot of strategies we can implement. But when it gets right down to it, what carries us through the next phase of a church or of a movement or of a growth or whatever it is God wants to do in our lives, personally or in the church, is the passion for God. And so here, Habakkuk is saying, Lord, I, I knew about your deeds. I've heard stories of these wonderful things, and yet I'm not seeing them. Renew them, Lord, in our day. Renew them in our day. And I do have the privilege of traveling around the world, and I'll tell you where Open Bible is privileged. We shared we're in 46 countries of the world. Outside the U.S., we have 1,735 churches, which just is amazing to me. And what is amazing beyond that is places like India, where there's persecution, places like Cuba, where there's persecution, is where the church grows the fastest. Isn't that something? It's where the church is growing faster than any other part of the world. And I think a lot of it is because of that passion. Our brethren in Cuba, when you meet them, you know, yeah, there are obstacles. Yeah, there's, there's all kinds of things going against them, but they have passion for God. And let me tell you, that is what carries them through. So just like the prophet here, we're asking God, we've heard of these things, but we want to see this in our lifetime. You see, the time that Jesus was on earth, whether it's when he ministered to different people, healed the sick, whether, you know, did different things about freeing people uh, from demonic possession or just sharing the gospel, God wants to do those same things today. And we see it, but I think we want to see more of it. And that's what it's about today. The heart cry of the prophet is, Lord, renew those in our day. Let us see what it's about. So sometimes as Christians, we got to be careful, not let the world to 
belittle our faith or not let the world interfere with us because sometimes we can become indifferent. And if there's one thing I don't know you notice, but I am challenged because, you know, I grew up in the church. My father was an open Bible pastor. I love, you know, during the whole ministry of my family, I just remember seeing different things happen. But one of the things I notice of this generation coming up, the younger generation, we need to reach the younger generation. And I'm sure here at Creekside you're trying to do that, but one thing I realize about young generation is they're passionate. One thing they're passionate about is injustice. They're passionate about injustice. What can we do to help this younger generation become a solution for that? And we have to look beyond the realm of what we're usually doing. So when we talk about passion... I want to talk to you about the Standard Proprietary School of Congo, Sierra Leone. Uh, because, see, God loves people. And our brother, Milton Goodwin, who started this school back a few years back, came from Guinea. He was from Sierra Leone. He fled during the war. He was trained by our missionary, Tom Moore, for 10 months, went back to his country and it started to feel the passion of God to reach the kids because there weren't, weren't good schools. And he started with probably 15, 20 kids. Today he has 700 kids in this school, grades one through six. And not only is he reaching these kids, but he's reaching the parents. So I wanna, I, the reason I share that story is follow wherever your passion leads because God does love people. And believe me, he loves people. And one reason I think Milton's been successful is he followed God's passion on his heart, he followed what God showed him, and God did the rest. Amen? See, that's the key. We don't sometimes get that. If we don't take that first step, had Milton gone back and said, oh, it's too hard, Lord, I can't do it. I can't start a school. I, I don't have any money. I don't, we don't even have a building. And it's true, he didn't have a building. He was renting a building when he started. But yet, when there's passion for God, you can learn to take that step of faith because here's the key. Many times God is waiting for that step of faith before he intervenes. He wants to see how serious we really are. And that's one thing I love about what's happened here with uh, Pastor Milton with this group. In the world today, there's obviously 7.47 billion people and there's 3.1 billion unreached. And of course, when we talk unreached, what we mean is people who don't have the Bible in their language, they don't have a missionary in their town, there's no way for them to know the gospel, and yet God loves them. Now, how are we going to reach them? It can be happen in many ways. Maybe we're going to send someone. Maybe you yourself can feel you want to go somewhere uh, to, to reach these people. But what God is looking for is that passion to reach Him because He wants to do it. So we shouldn't allow the enemy to change our priorities. Obviously, a lot of the people today, when we look at the world, they're looking for peace and affluence. And we know what that means. Peace means you don't want to be bothered by anybody else's problems. Affluence means you just want to have increasing prosperity. But as we know, that's not the answer, is it? Never is. It never is. You know, it never ceases to amaze me, and this is all over the world, not just here in the U.S., but people who are famous. They could be sports stars. They could be music stars. And yet, at the end of their life, they commit suicide or, you know, they do a drug overdose. Why? Here they had all the things supposedly makes you happy, but we know what? The only thing makes man happy is God in your heart. Amen? Is God in your heart and following that passion, and that's the thing. So we have to do it. So pursue God with passion. Joel here, it says, And afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. 
Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And I believe when we talk about passion, we're talking about dreams and visions. And so the question is, what is your vision? What is your dream? And sometimes it, we, if we let the enemy discourage us, we forget to dream. We forget about passion. Uh, you know, when I took over in 2007 as director of global missions, uh, I had been Paul's assistant for 12 years, Paul Canfield, the former director. And I had some ideas of what, what to do in global missions, what we wanted to do, how we needed to move forward. And I don't know if you remember, but 2007 and also 2000 is when the market crashed. And so, you know, one day I'm in my office having a pity party going, well, thanks, God. I become director and, you know, <laughs> economy crashes. That's really sweet, you know. But then God just spoke to me, well, you know, I'm not limited by this. Do what you want to do. Go forward. And see, that's what we have to realize. God's not limited by what finances we may see, by what physical limitations we may have. What he wants to see is a passion and a dream. And this is the key of everything I want us to realize your dreams are not limited to what our culture produces because we're dreaming from a place that our culture can't access. I want you to let that sink in. We're not limited by what our culture can produce because we're dreaming from a place that is not accessible by culture. Amen? Do you believe that? You see, when you're tapped into God, when you're really connected with the Lord, you are dreaming from a different place. You are strategizing from a different place. And a lot of times God will ask you to do things that are unconventional or some, sometimes things that don't make a lot of sense, but yet you know in your heart of hearts that that's what God wants you to do. And that's what we need to do. So the dreams we have can be a reality. So don't let the enemy limit those dreams and let God reveal to you the creative way you need to do things. What's the new way you can do things to reach people for Christ? And, and you guys know there's, there's, there's all kinds of things because... Uh, you know, I remember we were with our national board here in November back in uh, near Wheaton uh, Bible College where, of course, Billy Graham was, uh, museum is there. And we, had, we went through Billy Graham Museum and I just remember going through the museum and seeing all these crowds. And, of course, back in the time when Billy Graham was at his height, his, his most famous, right, there was all these crowds coming. And yet today, I also believe that God has a strategy to meet thousands of people that can do something different doesn't have to be the same thing, but what is it? What is it we can do to reach the masses for Christ that will allow us to see those same results? And I believe God will do that. And that's the key God wants us to see. So, Jesus said to the crowd, anyone who comes after me must carry his cross and follow me, because if he does not carry his cross and follow me, he can't be my disciple. And really, you know, that's, it's, that's the basic of all of it, isn't it? Um... We're egocentric by nature. By nature, we don't probably want to submit. But yet, when we come to Christ, we can submit to Jesus and say, Lord, take my life, take my talents, take all that I am. You'll be surprised how God can take those talents, take those gifts, anoint those, and use them far beyond your ability. Far beyond your ability. That's what it's about. There's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer that says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German uh, theologian uh, back in the time. And it's just like in John 12, 24. And I want us to look at that verse, if you will, real quick. John 12, 24. Look in your Bibles real quick. 
And we're going to look at this verse. John 12, chapter 20, uh, yeah, chapter 20, John 12, verse 24, sorry. So then, here in John 12, this is from the NIV in verse 24, Jesus is speaking here and he says, Verily I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The key, folks, that you and I have to remember every day is we have to die to self, don't we? Because even though we know Christ, even though we're following Jesus, the key is we don't want our old self to raise up its ugly head and interfere. But if we die to self, God can do so much more in us. And that's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer here is saying. Another important thing we need to do is listen to the Father's heart. And this is something that I've been pondering for a while now, but Jesus said, Verily I tell you, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He can only do what He sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father is doing, the Son also does. And this to me is key, because I don't know about you, but so many times I make plans in my life, <laughs> or I have strategies. Have you ever done that as a person or as a church? And, and sometimes we do all these strategies of how to maybe do an outreach or do something, and we just, we just forget to ask God what He wants to do, don't we? Ever happened to you? Lois and I were in Spain back uh, a few years back, and uh, we were, among other things, working with the youth, and we just felt as a youth group, we were in Barcelona with Donna and Margaret Smith, our missionaries there, that we wanted to reach the young people of our neighborhood in Barcelona. So we prayed up, we had sketches prepared, we had all kinds of stuff we were going to do. We were going to this park, we had it all planned out, you know. We even had intercessors who were going to pray for us while we're up at the park. And we go up there, and we thought, okay, well, we're going to start singing. People are going to start come, gathering around. We're going to be able to talk to them about Jesus and, you know, maybe hand out some tracts or invite them to service. And we get up to the park, and we start, you know, doing our songs and everything. And to our astonishment, the park is empty. Not only is the park empty, but people are avoiding us because they see us gathering. They're walking all the way around the other side. <laughs> And so I'm discouraged, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, Vince, what are you doing? I said, well, God, you, 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 you sent us up here. So I didn't tell you to do this. You ever have your conversations with God like this? And uh, I said, okay, Lord, what do we do? He says, well, over here on the side of the, this uh, building, there's a group of young people. I want you to talk to them. And over on my right, by the Catholic Church on the steps, was a group of heavy metal youth. Now, I know it's been many years. Some of you may not know what that is, but... Uh, heavy metal is the orange hair spike, you know, necklaces, and real pretty group, right? Uh, real, real affection. And it says, I want you to go over there. And so in my inner voice, I said, God, you're nuts. No, it says, I want you to go over there. And what I realized is, I'm going to repeat back what I just said to you. What God wanted us to do was see if we're obedient by first going out. Then he wanted to show us where he wanted us to go. So we went over there, and it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. Let's just say we started doing the sketch. They were started, you know, uh, you know, interrupting it and doing different things, and that was just another failure. So finally, the Holy Spirit says, what are you doing? And now I'm getting frustrated. It's like, Lord, okay, first you say, come up here. Now you're sending us over here. I says, what should I do? He says, talk to them. Just talk to them. So we stopped everything. We started talking to the group. We let them talk first. And so for the first five or ten minutes, they just spewed hate, 
everything that you can imagine. But something happened. Why we listened and why I listened, God opened a window in my mind. I saw a youth rejected by their parents, rejected by society, who desperately needed the love of Jesus, just no one's ever offered. When they got done, I said, you know, we listened to you, you listened to me for two minutes. We shared about Christ. I said, I don't know what you're doing tomorrow night, but we have a service down here Saturday night. You want to come, you can welcome to come tomorrow. Guess what happened Saturday night? Seven of them show up at church. Yeah, that was exciting. Grandmas were hiding their purses, you know, they didn't know. <laughs> uh, they didn't know what was going on. Now, and I was praying, Lord, you know, save them. Now, nobody got saved that night, but here's what happened. It transformed our young people in our church. Why? Because we realized we were judging a people we had no right to judge. Hello? We were judging a people we had no right to judge. See, we cannot pick and choose who we evangelize, folks. We do, but we shouldn't. And so after a year, what we, we challenge our young people to everything we can, whether it's a, a, a film, whether it's a youth event, what, whatever, let's invite this group. Whether they come or not, we're going to invite them. We're going to keep this conversation going. Well, a year later, Lois and I were back on furlough. We, could, we didn't witness this. Randall Bott took a, took a group of GOU youth, and the head of that group gave his heart to Jesus that night because a young man from America washed his feet, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Amen? Can we give God our praise for that? So I tell you that story because sometimes we need to listen to the Father's heart. We're doing our own thing, and, and that's why Jesus was so successful. It's, it's finally dawned on me after all these years. He was so close to the Father. He knew exactly where he had to go, and that's what it's all about, and that's what we need to realize. And so there's another verse that says, I'm telling you that what I've seen in the Father's presence, you are doing for what you've heard from your father. So Jesus was just affirming, yeah, you're doing what you've heard from the father. That's why you're successful. And that's what we need to do. We need to make sure we're listening and listening to what the father is saying to us. Um, here's an example I want to share with you of our missionary. We have a work in Taiwan, and <laughs> this is a fascinating story. And again, goes to show you, you never know where God wants to use you. I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, you know, it's those times in your life when you're least prepared, when you're not expecting it, God opens up a door and you can share with somebody the gospel or share a word of encouragement and it transforms. There's a missionary in China who's in Shanghai, or sorry, from Taiwan, who's in Shanghai, China. He's on vacation. He's on vacation with his family. I mean, literally on vacation. And he's in the market in Shanghai and all of a sudden out of nowhere, uh, this market, this food market, this woman comes up to him with tears in her eyes, saying, will you pray for me? I'm being tormented. I've been tormented by a demon for seven years. Now, how this woman knew this man was a Christian, I do not know. What I'm so thankful that this missionary did not do is, he said, well, you know, I'm on vacation, so if you come by the office on Thursday, um, I'll be glad to... No. He stopped what he's doing. He found a quiet place in that market. He prayed for this woman and then, after the Lord touched her, she invited him back to his home with his family, and that whole family got saved, and now we have a church in Shanghai because a missionary on vacation listened to the heart of the Father. Amen? Amen. You see, that's what it's about. So, listen to what God is saying, because 
we can miss it. And here's an example. Uh, well, before we get there, sorry. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me can do what I am doing. He'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I want you to realize that's a promise that God keeps. And so, again, we're talking about salvation. We're talking about God can touch people. We're talking about God can change lives. You know, there's not a heart too hard God cannot touch with the right prayer and with the right support. And again, prayer is powerful. And you've heard the testimonies, right, of people sometimes who have a loved one who is so hard against God, who is so determined not to love God, but yet the people keep praying for him or that person until one day they come to Christ. So we can't give up because God wants to do things that we haven't even imagined yet among our churches and among our people. But we can also know that missions is not an objective for the church. He has commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations. And I'm excited because I think today, if you think about it, this world we live in today, and not just thinking of technology, but everything else along with it, we have an incredible opportunity to reach the world that never existed before. Right now, we have people studying INSTE in China, and they're able to do it uh, electronically because we can't print books because people may be put in jail. Isn't that amazing? They can study INSTE in China. We have 16 INSTE groups in Arabic in Egypt right now, and 160 students studying INSTE in Arabic. And again, it's all because of technology. It's all because of the difference we can make, and that's what God wants to realize. So, as Billy Graham said, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. God's job is to judge. My God, my job is to love, obeying the, what the Father is saying. And I think that to me, I don't know about you, but it's, it's something I want to drive home for myself. You know, I want to love people. Because when, when we love people, God responds. Just like we've seen in these examples. We need to reach out with them and say, Lord, what can we do to help with that passion by obeying God? Um, and I do want to share with you, sometimes we can miss it. If you'll look at Acts 16, real quick with me. And you know this story, but we're going to go over it. Acts 16. And we're going to look at verses 6 through 10. Acts chapter 16. This is the Apostle Paul. It says, Paul and his companions throughout the region of Pathaginia and Galatia had been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching in the, in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, um, they tried to enter Bithynia, and the Spirit did not allow them. So they passed through Mysia and went down to Taurus. That night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over Macedonia and help us. Now, here's what amazes me about this story. Paul was a man of God. Paul listened to God. I mean, he, you know, if anybody in the Bible listened to God, it was Paul. And yet, what was interesting is he here was almost going to miss it. Now, do the people in these other places need to hear the gospel? Yeah, but the time wasn't right. The fruit wasn't ripe. And finally, the Holy Spirit, after two attempts, had to give him a vision of the man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. And finally, Paul realized what we shared earlier. God, where are you moving? Father, where are you moving? 
And I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be with the Lord. I want to be in a place where God can show me where he's moving, and that's where we're going to go, and that's what we're going to do. So it was Paul's close relationship with Jesus that birthed his, his relationship, his love for people. Uh, again, the miracle of Paul, he was a persecutor of the church, how God changed him. And here's what he says. He says, I'm not lying, my conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow, increasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were cursed, cut off from Christ for the sake of my people. That is a powerful statement. Here you have a man who has been beaten by his own people, threatened to death by his own people, and yet he's willing to be cursed, cut off from Christ so they may know Jesus. Folks, when we have that kind of passion, you're going to change the world. Amen? When you have that kind of passion, you're going to change the world. And that's it. And there's another one, too, of Moses. And again, Moses had this rebellious people he was leading, and they always were coming against him. And he says here, yes, I know what a great sin these people have committed. They've made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. If not, blot me out of the book you have written. When you have passion for God and passion for people, you don't care about yourself. You care about them. You know, it's one of the things, Lois and I have a privilege of uh, being missionaries in Spain and Argentina, and we'll tell you that, you know, we were in Spain eight years and we left. I'll never forget the day we loaded up our daughter Jessica in the car and we just wept all the way to the airport. Argentina is something similar. Why? Because we were ready to die for those people. We didn't care about, you know, yes, we loved our loved ones in the U.S., and yes, we missed them, but we were there for them, not for us. And when you have that kind of love for people here, not just overseas, God is going to transform your community. It's going to make a difference, and that's what it's about. God loves people. And so here here looking at Cambodia, in 2009, we started the work there in... uh, we weren't sure what was going to happen, but it was birthed out of a church, Life Song, out of Mike and Dara Rasavan, and it was already in God's heart. And when they came to me, there was nothing there in Cambodia. When they came to me, I just felt a witness in my spirit, God saying, this is where I'm moving, this is what we need to do. Now, you have to realize there were no funds. I didn't have any offerings coming up. I mean, this was totally by faith. And, of course, now we have the learning center. You'll see this is the worship center that was built. Um, Here's the complex now. We just put a vocational center here. And the point number five is, after you do all this, watch God supply and multiply for your obedience. And the thing is this. We have had a burden for that part of the world for a long time. And that's in that 1040 window. That's in the area where there's a lot of Buddhists. There's a You know, there's also, obviously, if you continue on, there's a lot of Muslims also in that area. And God started us here, but what I didn't know was that He was also going to work a mic into our Rasavan's heart, and He did, because Mike and Dara Rasavan are in Thailand, but also they have a heart for Vietnam, and they have a heart also for Laos. So here you see, here's Cambodia, here's Vietnam, here's Laos. So, because we obeyed God, He's multiplying and He's going to supply beyond what we even dreamed. 
Now, why do I share that with you? Because it can happen also here where you're at right now. And I, I know you've planted churches, I know you've done other works, but God wants to do more. And the key is, are we going to let the passion fill us? Are we going to seek God and say, Lord, show us where you're moving. God, where are you? We're already at work that we can just come alongside and show us how to really use our talents, really use our gifts. So we need to pursue God with vision. We need to listen to God's heart. We need to obey what he's saying. And because of that, then we can watch him supply. And again, I stand back at the work in Cambodia in awe, and I will tell you, it is an amazing thing to me because I know this is just the beginning of a lot of things, just the beginning. But it starts with that, just that step of obedience. And again, I, did, I looked this up the other day, and this is astounding to me. Eight of our missionaries right now, eight of our missionaries right now have opened Bible. They're actually missionaries on the field as a result of a mission trip. One mission trip. Isn't that amazing? One mission trip. One trip, God got a hold of their heart. And again, what God wants to see is are you going to be obedient? Are you going to follow? And when I look back at those eight missionaries, I'm going, man, these people are amazing. And yet, it was that one trip that made the difference. One trip. And when they made that trip and said, God, we're going to go. We don't know what you're going to show us. We're just being obedient. We're going to go. That's what made all the difference. 